Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. I really just have quite a simple message this morning in setting ourselves up for receiving from God. Who loves that song, I Just Want More? Just want more of you. Do you know this is not a bad thing to tell God that? It's not a bad thing to live in that posture of I actually just want more of you, God, and I'm making room for more. So a very basic, basic message this morning. But first of all, what I want to do is I want to paint for us all again on the first Sunday of the new year, of a new decade. I want to paint for you a picture of who God is. So before we get into, you know, the anointing and all of that, I want to actually show you the face of God. I don't want to talk about him. I actually want to show you who he is. I want to remind you who he is. And so our God, the God I serve, the God I serve came looking for me. He's a God who comes looking for you. He comes hunting you down. No matter where you are, (laughs) no matter what deep pit you might have dug for yourself, no no matter what deep darkness you may be shrouded around, the reality is this God comes looking for us. The Bible tells us he leaves the 99 well-fed, well-watered, happy, clappy Christians to go and look for the one. The one who's alone and estranged and in trouble. He's a God who comes looking. He is a personal God. And then when he finds us, and I'll just tell you the story of my life, (laughs) when he finds us, he heals our wounds, he puts us back together, he restores, he blesses, he favors, he, he comforts, he counsels, he ministers to, he loves on, he puts soothing balm all over, and he brings us into a place of restoration. That's who our God is. He's a God who comes looking, and then he's a God who restores. He is a beautiful, beautiful God. He is generous and he's kind. Psalm 113 says that he stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor out of the dust and the needy out of the garbage dump and he sets them among princes. That's our God. He comes looking for us. He stoops down out of heaven and he looks for you and me and when he finds us, He restores us and seats us among princes. It's the story of my life. He found me in a garbage heap and he sat me with princes. This is the God we serve. The God we serve, the God we're talking about, the God we worship every Sunday, he's attracted to brokenness and humility. He's not attracted to pride. He's not attracted to the ones who have it all together and don't need him. He's attracted, actually, to humility. The psalmist in Psalm 51 said, God, if you desired sacrifice, you don't desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You don't delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices God wants are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. The Passion Translation says, For the source of your pleasure is not my performance 
or the sacrifices I might offer to you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow down at your feet. God doesn't want us to bring prideful, look at how great I am type offerings. What he loves is a humble, soft heart. And he won't despise that and he won't turn away from that. He is attracted to a contrite heart, a humble, soft heart. He is glorious and breathtaking. The God we serve is worthy of our worship. The God we serve, his presence is a consuming fire. His presence is captivating and enthralling and all-consuming. If you come into the presence of God and leave unchanged, you have not seen him. You have not encountered him. He is worthy of all our worship. He is beautiful. He is captivating. He is breathtaking. He will steal the breath out of your lungs when you take one look at him. He is beautiful. He is worthy of our worship. And he is the only place where anything makes sense. The only place the pieces of the puzzle fall into place is in the presence of God. In his presence, we are completely undone and put back together all in one moment. He's mighty. He is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign. He is just. I want to tell you, God is not fair, but he is just. And he's holy. What does holy mean? Holy means he stands alone. He has no rival. There is no one that measures up even close. He is holy and the only one deserving of our worship. He is this God. He's so holy and so magnificent and so enthralling and captivating, but at the same time stoops down and pulls us out of our mess and restores our lives. Can we remember stepping into 2020 just who he is? Can we remember again who he is? Do you this morning need to remember your first love? At the start of a decade, can you go back to the face of the living God and see him again? Encounter him again. I want to remind us what it feels like to encounter God. In Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah reminds us what it feels like to see God. Chapter 6, it says, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. 
Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king. I've seen the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and he said, see this coal? It's touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. This is what it's like to encounter God. This is what the first thing and the first response you will have when you encounter God is realizing what a dirty, rotten sinner you actually are. The first response when you see him is you see yourself. And you realize, woe is me. I am unclean and I live in an unclean generation. The first response you and I have in the presence of God is repentance. When we come into the presence of a holy God, we're like, God, you are so holy. Woe is me. Who am I, God? But how can I be standing here seeing your face? And his response always is, let me make you clean. His response always is, let me forgive you and take away your guilt. It's always his response. And then why? We have to ask why. Well, it's so that we can answer the next question. Who will go for us? I will. Church, it's not just for us to feel squeaky clean and good about ourselves. There's always a why. And the why is, who will go for me? Who shall I send? And in that moment when we've seen him, when we've received his restoration, his goodness, his generosity, his faithfulness, our response always is, send me. I'll go. I'll go and tell others what I've just encountered. I'll go and share with others this goodness of this amazing God who stooped down from heaven, scooped me up, made me clean, and set me among princes. Send me, I'll go. That's a story I'm compelled to tell. And so when we see him, we're cleansed. When we see him, we're commissioned. And so in the anointing, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, two thoughts for you this morning. The ministry of the Holy Spirit sets us free. It sets us free. Isaiah in chapter 10 tells us that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. It says, In that day the Lord will remove the heavy burden from your shoulders and break the yoke of bondage from your necks because of the anointing that's upon you. The yoke, what is a yoke? We're not talking about the yellow part of the egg. In Bible times, they would plow fields that, uh, with oxen, with ox that would have these big plows on their backs that were attached to a timber yoke that would sit over their necks. And this yoke would be fitted for them. As the ox grew, often they would, the yoke would break. So what this scripture is telling us is that the anointing breaks the yoke. What does that mean? Under the anointing, you grow. Under the anointing, you grow to such a point that the yoke of bondage, it says, is broken off your neck. 
The yoke of bondage is broken off your neck as you grow under the anointing. Without the anointing, we don't grow. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to expand who we are as people in this life, to break the bondage that's on us. The problem is, and this is something that the Spirit dropped into my heart in the last few weeks, the problem with my people is that they're too easily satisfied. They're too easily satisfied with their bondage. They're too easily satisfied with their patterns and their normal. They're too easily satisfied with what the world offers them. We live on a high sugar diet. We're constantly just eating spiritually sugary foods. And we're satisfied that we never actually have anything of nutritional value. We never actually grow properly. God is saying they're too easily satisfied. And they're not stepping into the anointing that's going to make them grow to a place where their bondage is broken. They're happy to stay in bondage. Showed me they're happy to stay in bondage. Think about the person who's lived in a place of bitterness for 20 years. And the Spirit is talking to that person saying, you know, I want you to be free of this bondage. But I've been in it for so long, I wouldn't even know how to behave without it. I wouldn't even know how to address that person without a spirit of bitterness around my life. It scares me so much to actually be without this bondage on my neck. I'm so used to it being there, I wouldn't even know what to do without it. And actually, it's gotten to a point where it's become a part of my identity, It's gotten to a point where I get sympathy and attention for it. I'm quite happy and satisfied with this bondage around my neck. But the Spirit of God, the anointing, grows us to a point where we break the bondage. We break the bondage. Today, a self-check. What yoke are you carrying? What is it that's satisfying you? What is hindering the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life? Because my bondage doesn't glorify God. In John 8, Jesus said, When you sin, you're not free. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves haven't got a permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is part of the family forever. So if the son, Jesus, sets you free, then become a true son and be free indeed. Who the son sets free is free indeed. I want to tell you this morning that my bondage, if I stay in a place of immaturity, if I stay in a place of bondage, it doesn't make God look good to the world. It actually testifies about my slavery. But my freedom witnesses to the world that I'm a child of God, that I'm no longer a slave, but I'm free. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm no longer a slave. My freedom testifies to the world who I belong to and what he's done in my life. My bondage doesn't make God look good. 
As a Christian, my bondage makes God look really, really bad. But my freedom, my sonship, my daughtership actually screams to the world who I am and who I belong to. And it makes God look really, really good. We are free indeed. The anointing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it frees us. And the anointing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit sets us apart. Church, the second thing that the Spirit of God whispered to me in my quiet time over the last few weeks is that you and I need to have a revelation that we are marked for something else. We are marked for something else. We are set aside from the world. There's a call to purity that's going out. A call to purity. A call to holiness. We are marked, we are set apart, a call to purity in our motive, our deed, our thought, that we would be hungry for more. Recently, I was sitting uh, on the couch at home between services on a Sunday, you know, that weird four-hour gap between a.m. services and p.m. services, and, um, and I was sitting with my daughter, and she said to me, Mom, you're different on Sundays, and I was like, oh what do you mean? Like, I actually want to be consistent. I don't want to be different. And she said, no, you're quieter on Sundays. You're quieter on Sundays. Why is that? And I said to her, well, because there are lots of reasons. Part of the reason is I'm trying to carry a whole congregation today. I'm spiritually aware of every single person that's going to walk through the doors, and I I feel the weight. It's a good weight but the responsibility as a church leader to carry a whole congregation. And so I'm mindful of that. I'm prayerful. I'm sensitive. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit today because I want to create a space around me and around our congregation for him to minister. I said, but Maya, to be totally honest with you, I'm hungry for more. I want to lead a congregation who are not satisfied I desperately want more. And so every Sunday, I wake with this urgency in my heart, could it be today, God, that I encounter a congregation who come knowing that they're set apart? I encounter a people who come saying, God, I want more. I'm not satisfied. I know because your spirit has marked me that I'm set apart for more than what this world gives me. Maya, I'm desperate to see God move among his people. And I know that will only happen when they rise to the call. When they rise to the place of hunger and purity. Maya, I'm hungry for it. I'm desperate for it. I'm desperate to see it. People who realize that there's a call to be set apart. David said in Psalm 24, he asked the question, Who can ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation who seek him, who seek your face. The people who are hungry crave to know the ways of God not just the works of God. They're hungry to know how he works. 
They just don't want to cash in. They actually want to know how. They want to know him. They want to know what goes on behind the works, his ways. The hungry seek his face and not just his hand. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're the ones that will be filled. The title of my message this morning is called The Unusual Ones. Early last week, I think it might have been Monday afternoon, the sun was just setting, the house was just starting to get dark. You know that time where you start turning lights on around the house. And I was just overwhelmed with the Spirit of God with a prophetic word. And so I sat down and started scrolling what the Spirit was saying to me. And I want to read it to you this morning. It's called the unusual ones. And this is the word that God gave me last week. The unusual ones. Who are they? Where are they? Those who desire my voice, who seek my face and break through to the chambers of heaven. Where are the desperate ones? Who pour over my scriptures to hear my voice who dig the wells of the Spirit, who dwell on their knees for an encounter and a touch. I'm seeking those ones. I'm searching, as I always have, for the unusual ones. These are the days where their cry is all the more piercing in the heavenlies. These are the unusual ones, the ones willing to pay a price on their knees. They will not be disappointed. My heart is turned towards them, I'm searching the earth for them as they search for me. Where are they? The ones not satisfied by the world. Those who refuse the pollutants of their day, who deny shallow gratifications and earthly appetites. The ones who are yearning for more. Where are they? The ones setting themselves apart. The ones crying out in their hearts. The unusual ones. The set-apart ones. The marked ones, the hungry ones, the brave ones, the seeing ones, the bold ones, the yearning, the praying, the tasting ones, where are they? Hiding themselves in my shadow, where are they? Wrestling to attain, warring to be filled, captivated, enthralled, seeing, knowing, understanding, where are they? My ear is drawn, my spirit is near, my presence inhabits. My answers whispered into their yielded hearts. My power manifest, my glory revealed to those ones, the unusual ones, filled, healed, sent. They will see me. I will meet them. I am coming to them. I am coming through them. I am their great reward. Because they have not been satisfied with anything else, I will be their reward. Where are they? stand if you want to be an unusual one.
Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of the Lord's anger against their enemies. To all those who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And they will rebuild ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me too. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.